Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Farm Talk with John O'Connor with Dairy Gold Heifer Rear Cube, a trusted partner to help your replacement heifers reach their target weights and meet their full potential. Hello and welcome to this week's Farm Talk. I'm Barry O'Mahony. On the programme, we continue our weekly look at the world of agriculture and food. Reminders have gone out this week of Brexit changes which are imminent on January 1st next. We have details of what it's all about. And we also look at the IFA's emergency Brexit policy. We'll hear from a Cork farm family hoping to turn their lockdown project into a unique tourism opportunity. Cork-based Jump Juice Bars has launched its new Jump Juice Direct offering. We hear about a very smooth operation in the county. Animal Welfare Week is coming up and this year's theme is the front line at the farm gate. And Farm Talk's John O'Connor looks at other stories making the agri-news this week. Farm Talk on C103. The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine is reminding agri-food businesses of imminent Brexit changes from the 1st of January. The department's written to 20,000 client companies that are registered with them, reminding them of the significant and enduring changes that will happen from the new year, regardless of the outcome of EU-UK negotiations. Minister Charlie McConnell is calling on business to urgently prepare for these customs and regulatory changes now. The department is engaged in a programme of dedicated weekly Brexit webinars, in addition to department officials updating stakeholders in relation to a wide range of Brexit readiness work at a wide range of fora. Louise Byrne is Head of Brexit Division at the Department of Agriculture and has been explaining the process now unfolding. So from the 1st of January next year, there will be significant changes in the way in which food and agriculture businesses trade to, from and through Great Britain, regardless of whether there's an agreement on an EU trade deal. There will be new import and export requirements that will come into effect uh, from the 1st of January. Um, and uh, appreciating that this is a very challenging time for businesses and they're trying to cope with the COVID crisis. But we have to be honest and clear about the challenges that lie ahead. And businesses need to get ready now. And this means that um, there will be importers of agri-food products from Great Britain will be subject to new customs and regulatory requirements. 
including sanitary and phytosanitary checks uh, from the 1st of January. And for exporters of goods uh, to Great Britain, there will be export certification requirements in respect of the movement of goods to uh, and through Great Britain. And they're going to be introduced uh, by the UK on a phased basis from the 1st of January. Um, obviously, these import and export changes will increase the cost of trade and they will result in an uh, additional time in the movements of those goods. But we will be making every effort to ensure the minimum possible disruption to trade flows on the one hand, but also ensuring that um, we um, implement the EU regulations on the other. Because, as you know, we export food to 180 countries around the world, and we do that on the back of our membership of the EU and the controls, the high standards of food production that we have. So it's important that we maintain the integrity of the single market. What's the most important aspect of all of this? Well, there are a number of very important aspects. I suppose we have a very good checklist on our website, which is... uh, www.gov.ie forward slash agriculture and we have a number of very useful resources there that will help businesses prepare. But as a starting point, um, people need to be registered with uh, a NIORI number um, and then they can get that from revenue. Also, the operator who is responsible for uh, the consignment and who has to complete the necessary paperwork needs to be registered with the department. And anybody who is exporting and looking for export certification um, also needs to be uh, registered so that they can access our um, import and export IT uh, systems that we've specifically developed um, for uh, uh, in response to Brexit. And um, just in, in that regard, the Minister wrote out to uh, over 20,000 clients of the department uh, and those letters would have landed this week. And the Minister is specifically calling out people to um, go onto our website. And there's an online portal on our website um, where people can update their registration details so that they get access to these uh, import and export IT platforms. There's also a lot of very useful resources on our um, website that um, will help businesses understand the um, the changes that are coming. And uh, I would really encourage businesses to fully understand the implications of those changes for their business and for their supply chain and, and make sure that you're in a position to provide the necessary documentation to both customs and to uh, agriculture from the 1st of January. We are also running a series of webinars. Um, uh, the department and indeed across government has uh, a lot of supports available. And I would again encourage businesses to look at those webinars because you may be directly impacted. For instance, this week we did a demonstration on our new import IT platform. And again, and people will need to have access to that system. And even though you might be registered as, let's say, a food business operator with our department, you need to contact us so that we can actually give you the necessary access to these imports uh, and, and export systems. In particular, as I say, if you're that operator responsible for the consignment, either having to submit the documentation on the 1st of January or, or, or also if you're requesting an export health search. Um, if you're exporting goods to uh, Great Britain after the 1st of January. 
Louise Byrne, Head of Brexit Division at the Department of Agriculture. Minister McConnell Logue and the Minister of State for New Market Development, Martin Hayden, led an intensive two-day virtual trade mission to the UK. It was organised in conjunction with Board BIA and included engagement with key retail and food service customers. ICSA has again called on the Minister for Agriculture to open the marts. It wants to see a resumption of live bidding with all the social distancing safeguards alongside online bidding. ICSA says marts are an essential business and an integral part of the food supply chain. Meat factories continue to operate as do supermarkets, but the supply of beef to the supermarket shelf begins with farmers and they need a fully functioning livestock mart system. ICMSA had previously called for marts to be permitted to have 25 persons physically present at sales. It argues as long as the recommended social distancing and other regulations were fully observed, it was difficult to see how marts should be different to other essential services. The department says livestock mart sales will continue using online platforms only. Ireland's food and drink sector said it needs urgent financial support to avoid serious economic hardship after the end of Brexit. It's one of the findings of a new report from Food Drink Ireland, the IBEC group which represents the industry. It says funding the £125 million, or 5% of the value of Ireland's UK exports, is needed annually for the next three years to offset increasing costs. Director of Food Drink Ireland, Paul Kelly, says supply chains are also facing problems. Supply chain will, will certainly be under pressure, but I think it, it will survive and it will cope. But it's going to face a lot of additional costs. Some of those will be delays. Some of those will be the need to stockpile, which requires cash. And some will be just be the, the cost of actually moving goods now. So that combined, I think, with a more negative economic environment as a result of Brexit means that the companies are going to need a lot of supports. Those will be primarily financial Consumer spending within the Irish food service sector has dropped by 47% against figures from last year. A new board BIA report estimates the market is now worth around €4.5 billion. The financial drop-in for food producers and the likes of restaurants comes after eight years of consecutive growth in the sector. Maureen Gahan, food service specialist at Board Bia, says it could be up to five years before the industry recovers. Worst case scenario is that the industry will grow 16% next year and best case is that it could grow as much as 41%. But of course that's against a value that has already fallen by 47%. So even in best case scenario, the industry will be down $2 billion in value next year. Ultimately, we feel it could be anywhere between three and five years before we get back to the kind of value figures we saw at the beginning of 2020. Ironically, the last number of years was all about Dublin growing ahead of the rest of the economy. It's really hurting. So what we saw during the summer months when um, people were out and about domestically, uh, actually, you know, Wild Atlantic Way and certain other tourist locations Maureen Gahan, the food service specialist at Boardbeer. The IFA Grain Committee chairman, Mr Mark Brown, said there's growing anger amongst grain farmers towards merchants allegedly paying grain prices below the market for this year's harvest. Mr Brown said it's unacceptable for any grain buyer to be paying below €150 a tonne for green barley this harvest. He went on to say the impact of a difficult winter followed by drought conditions in late spring and subsequent difficult harvest had a severe impact on the viability of many grain producers. He said many buyers in the trade had shown solidarity with growers by paying prices which would put a value and emphasis on quality assured Irish grain.
While the prices would not cover production costs for the farmers who had suffered considerable yield losses this season, they would go some way towards acknowledging the difficult tillage season, Mr Brown pointed out. He said the IFA had called now on all grain buyers to show a similar commitment to the sustainability of their Irish grain suppliers by returning similar prices at a minimum. The IFA grain chairman said it's unacceptable that certain buyers would be unsupportive of the grain sector and this would not be tolerated by the IFA. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Farm Talk on C103. As the January 1st, 2021 deadline approaches for the UK to regain total control of their ports and function as a totally independent country outside of the EU, we are no nearer, apparently, to knowing precisely what deal or whether any deal will be reached between the UK and EU. The IFA president, Tim Cullinan, recently launched his organisation's Brexit Emergency Policy the main points of which I'm discussing with Farm Talk's John O'Connor. The IFA leader says we need to try and keep our exports flowing into Great Britain without tariffs or quotas. He contends that the European Commission has to start preparing the European Union for a bad outcome. He says we need a clear plan from the European Union on how they intend to support farmers in a no-deal scenario. So the IFA leader outlines the scale of the situation facing us if we end up without a deal or only a very limited deal with the UK. Well, with a limited deal or a no deal, 38% or 5.5 billion euro worth of Irish agri-food exports to the UK are at risk. If the UK fails to agree on a trade deal, the Brexit Readiness Action Plan estimates the cost of import tariffs will be between 1.3 billion euro and 1.5 billion euro. In stark terms, the IFA president flagged this would effectively start a trade war between the European Union and the UK. Carefully chosen words by Mr Cullinan. But he believes the situation is that serious. He points to the big rift between the EU and Russia back in 2014, following the annexation of the Crimea by Russia. Correct, Barry. The European Union placed sanctions on Russia, and they in turn banned all EU imports and exports in 2014. At the time, the European Union put a suite of measures in place, which cost €1 billion to the European Union. The impact of Brexit on Ireland would have eight times that impact, the IFA leader calculates. But these are the kind of measures we'll need, but at a much larger scale. While the European Union has created a Brexit contingency fund of €5 billion, Mr Conan said we want to see an implementation plan put in place. So it's an extensive document. Could you set out the three core steps, John? Step one, Barry, looks for trade-based, tariff-free and quota-free access to the market and full recognition for the Irish protocol and regulation at borders. Step two in the IFA document calls for a suspension of imports, particularly from the Mercosur countries in South America, the suspension of trade negotiations on sensitive products and state aid rules, and support for direct shipping to the European Union. Step three deals with the €5 billion Brexit fund, which he said must increase in all scenarios. This step must also provide full compensation for any losses arising from Brexit, including sterling volatility for all sectors. Step three in the IFA document is also looking for an increase in the government's contingency fund and a commitment from food processors to show loyalty to Irish products.
And for listeners who might like to study the IFA Brexit emergency policy document at greater length and in greater detail, is there a website that you can give? Certainly, Barry. Full details available at www.ifa.ie, all lowercase. Thanks, John. ICMSA is asking supermarkets to consider bonus payments to food suppliers. President Pat McCormick says farmers and primary food producers will understand the decision of companies like Aldi and Tesco to pay their staff a 10% Christmas bonus for working tirelessly through months of pandemic. But he wonders if companies will also consider a similar bonus to the food suppliers and farmer primary producers who also worked tirelessly during this period. Next, a Cork Farm family hoping to turn their lockdown project into a unique tourism opportunity. Thomas Rachel and Anna McCarthy purchased an old double-decker bus and are converting it into an Airbnb. The siblings, who live on a farm in Ballinadee near Kinsale, are hoping to have it ready by next March or April. They've been telling C103 senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran about their project. The ultimate plan is to have it renovated in about five, six months and have it up on Airbnb. Uh, we wanted to do something different and something that would keep us occupied during lockdown because me and Anna are both out of work now because of the COVID. Rachel's studying at the moment, but we wanted to do something productive. So we said we'd get a double-decker bus and <laughs> do it up. <laughs> and do. Yeah. And Where did you get the idea from? Um, my friend Roisin has one and her mother down in Dingle, they have a bus and they renovated it and it's really, really nice. So we got the inspiration from them, but I think we always kind of want to do something like this mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and do something together because we're all like very impulsive, very creative. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, standing here on the bus now and it's fair to say it's a bit of a wreck. Yeah. So, <laughs> so how much work is involved and what do you need to do to get it to the stage where you're going to be able to let it out as an Airbnb? Oh, there's a lot of work. <laughs> it was like literally gutting it now was the, the easy part. Yeah. So the next part now, I suppose we're trying to find out how to insulate it. Uh, what'll go where, where the bathroom go, um, kitchen units. So there's a lot of planning involved before we kind of start in that get-go as well. And we're trying to kind of, I suppose, get advice from people as well on top of that. But um, yeah, it'll keep us busy. We'll be, yeah, we'll be, we'll be full-time with it now, to be fair, over the next few months. So we're looking forward to it, but like it's a full-time, a yeah. Yeah, a lot, yeah. Of <laughs> a lot of work, yeah, yeah. And we're really good with like the angle grinder and the tools and stuff, so that helps a yeah. lot as well. I used to, yeah, when I was in school, I did a bit of construction, so it kind of helps with this kind of scenario. So no, it's exciting. And like we have the main area like kind of ready for it, nearly ready for it. A bit of stone and painting and then getting the bus over there will be a bit of an issue. Yeah. But once we get it over there and get our hands hands on I think it'll go pretty quick yeah. and where are you going to have the bus the bus will be situated near our home so it'll run off the electricity and the, the, uh, the plumbing and all that yeah. and then the views we have stunning views here in Ballinadee like there's we've linked in with our animals and all like over into the valley and we've cut down some of the hedgerows so you can see with the, over the bus so it'll be near the house but also they'll have their own kind of area and their own space to do whatever like are you guys farmers because we're on a farm here <laughs> yeah. yeah I think um well, our father passed away in May, so uh, he took his own life. So from there, it's been kind of a journey. We've kind of taken over the farm, incorporated a lot of like mental awareness, mental health awareness with that. We raised 32000 for Peter House. We actually just love working on the farm. So we're, we are, we're full-time farmers with a bus. Yeah. So, like when, yeah. When dad was around, um, I was just, I was like, give him these crazy ideas. And then when he passed, when he always used to say to me before he passed away, when you get the farm, you can do whatever you want. So... <laughs> Now I think we're doing whatever we want yeah. to do. Yeah. What do you think he'd think of this? Oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> yeah. 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 He'd be happy at the, no. the business aspect of it. Yeah. Like, no. like yeah. give a farm to like four young ones. What's the first thing they do? Like we put a bar in the 
shed. We built a barn to the shed. And then buy a double-decker bus. It's just crazy. And she sold off all the cattle. A load of rescue animals. Just making absolute wreck of the fields. I'd be proud of it. I suppose seeing young people make a business out of the farm because we've heard over the last couple of years how difficult it's been for farmers to make an income. So I suppose this is kind of really thinking outside the box. Absolutely. And it's like important, like I said to him, like what he was doing was backbreaking work and like not great money but like this stuff now is it is crazy but like it's it'll pay off yeah Yeah. and I think as well Rachel wants to go into the organic uh, farming business side as well so we're actually buying a big what was it the dimensions yeah, tunnel. a big tunnel yeah going <laughs> yeah. down yeah. below the bus and it's like a sell my like you know crops or vegetables yeah. to the guys on the bus yeah. <laughs> yeah. good yeah. vibes down here <laughs> yeah. and yeah. so who are you going to market it to who do you think is going to come and rent this out I think like mainly city people mm. you know like we're clo- so close to Cork City but like coming down here staying in a bus in a field looking at donkeys looking at goats you have beaches yeah, and castles beach, yeah. all around you so like it's great for internal tourism as well like I think city people would love this but even people young, like young people as well like fun people like mm-hmm. you know we hope people rent out the bus and like I hope they have a few parties I hope they enjoy themselves because like it's something different you uploaded the first video on TikTok and it's really taken off from there hasn't it yeah, yeah. it's 1.7 million views wow yeah so it, it was a lot and I remember seeing the comments under it and just everyone's so enthusiastic and eager to see what actually happens with it and a few people actually private messaged me saying they can't wait until it's done so they stay on the bus so it's, it's yeah it's great it's really exciting Thomas, Rachel and Anna McCarthy there from Ballinadee in Kinsale. The very best of luck to them with their lockdown project, which they hope will turn into a unique tourism opportunity. Ever since the decision of British voters to leave the European Union, the question of Irish exporters' use of the United Kingdom land bridge for access to the EU and wider global markets has not been answered. As the prospect of delays due to checking of EU and European Union customs documentation at ports, backup congestion cannot be ruled out. Some Irish exporters have urged the opening up or increased use of alternative means of transport to our UK, EU and wider global markets. For perishable products, the approximate 18-hour sea voyage would not be practical and air freighting may have to be considered if feasible financially. It's reported that Stella and Irish Ferries will inaugurate new direct sailings from Dublin and Rosslare to French ports. The 18-hour sea voyage may not suit calf exporters. It's reported in the Saturday 14th of November 2020 issue of the Irish Farmers Journal paper that Chagas have been asked by the stakeholder group the Calf Welfare Forum to examine the feasibility of air travel for calves. Flying calves out of a country at a cost of €70 a head would be much faster but twice as expensive as by land and sea. The implementation of a possible live cattle transport ban by the UK government could be another factor. The journal points out that the travelling times for direct shipping routes to France are close to the 18-hour maximum time allowed without layerage. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Farm Talk on C103. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com.
This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. We continue this week's Farm Talk with our weekly Tagusk Advisory. In the Maloney is a B&T advisor. Among the topics we look at this week are silage testing, the silage report, and to begin with, why winter feeding of younger stock is so important. Monitoring performance and knowing the weight of your animals for housing is essential in order to know what daily live weight gain our animals should achieve over the winter period. Younger stock, such as wanelands, if their nutritional needs are met and there is no other health issues, these animals should achieve 0.6 of a kilo of a live weight gain over this winter period. From being out on farms and talking with farmers, this has not been achieved on a lot of farms, and this is primarily down to farmers not meeting the nutritional needs of the animals. Grass silage provides the forage base for the majority of these winter diets on Irish farms, so knowing the quality of our silage is awful important. And would you recommend then getting that silage tested? All farmers should try and uh, get their silage analysed in order to give them an, an idea as to what type of quality silage they have and whether or not supplementary feed has to be fed along with their silage to ensure that these animals achieve good performance over the first winter. Farmers getting their silage tested, what are the most important things to look for in the silage report? When a farmer has gone and got his silage tested, uh, he'll be given back a report. So the, the main things he needs to focus in on are, uh, I'll just run through the main points. So dry matter of the silage would be the first one that would be on top of the list. This is the amount of silage remaining after the water has been removed. So it's the energy and protein value of the silage is quoted as a dry matter percentage. So we'd be ideally we'd be looking for something between 25 and 30% dry matter. Then we'd move on to dry matter digestibility. This is basically a measure of the energy an animal gets from the silage. So anything above 70% TNT would, would mean that this silage quality is, uh, is quite good. Then we move on to food protein. So this basically is a measure of the maturity of the grass at the time of cutting. So anything between 13 to 15% of a crude protein would indicate that the grass is cut when the crop was at a leafy stage. This is the type of crude protein we want because this, it's the protein is what drives the growth and performance over the winter. 
another point that you'll see along your uh, silage report is energy value, which is measured in uh, megajoules. So we'd be looking some, for something in around 11.5 upwards of megajoules of energy for a grass silage. Like a good rule of thumb would be that the younger and drier the grass, the more energy the silage will supply. And this will, again, mean that they'll put on more weight over the first winter. Really, there are the main points. Another few points you'll see on it then are the pH of the silage. So this basically means how well it will preserve and how well it'll last in storage from one year to the next. And another one then would be ammonia. So this, that's the measure of nitrogen percentage in the silage. So we'd be looking for anthem between 5 and 10% in that as well. So they're just the main points, uh, really. Enda Maloney, Tagus B&T advisor based in McCroom. Timmy McCarthy is Dairy Gold's East Cork Tillage Area Sales Manager and we're looking at how the ground is looking at this time of the year. The acreage planted compared with last year, herbicides and soil testing. Uh, conditions have really worsened there in the last week. We've had a lot of rainfall there and ground conditions are, are starting to become a challenge for, for anyone uh, out and about in fields. Is there much going on at the minute there in the fields, Tim? Well, I suppose most of the autumn sown now is complete at this stage. Um, we had a great opportunity there last month for getting crops back into the ground. Some growers... Uh, made a start there in late September on hybrid rye there and, and Joya which is a, a, a new um, six row conventional barley which, which is BYDB tolerant so it allows um, growers to, to get in a little bit earlier and, and, and reduce the risk of getting um, BYDV in crops. I suppose the bulk of the sowing was, was complete from, from the first week of October up till I suppose the end of the month. Most farmers are happy enough with what they've got in already so far. And the acreage that you're looking at now, how would it compare, say, with last year, taking everything into account? Looking at the, the, the whole picture, it seems that the winter acreage seems to have remained on a par uh, as compared to last year, albeit it, it, it definitely looks in better condition heading into the winter now compared to this time last year where... Crops were, were sitting in, in, in waterlogged condition and under under pressure from from all sorts of uh, problems such as slugs and, and waterlogging. The conditions that we had, you know, from late last year and right through winter and then our early spring, we saw every kind of a condition this year in relation to the tillage harvest. That's right, yeah. We had, from, from the get-go, there was crops were under stress throughout the whole season, be it from wet conditions that's on right through uh, a lot of rainfall there over the winter and, and into the spring then we hit straight into a drought which uh, put a lot of crops under pressure and fast forward then until harvest we were at the mercy of a few storms which um, affected uh, mo- most uh, spring crops and, and brought the quality down so all in all it's just a tough year on, on crops there last year. Yeah and hopefully going forward things might be better. In relation to herbicides what kind of options are there Tim there for farmers at the moment? All crops at the moment now should be ready for an autumn herbicide uh, if it's not already done. After all the rain we've got now in the past few days, it's going to be fairly challenging to get into fields with sprayers. But when you're talking about winter barley, your options are fairly limited for controlling grass weeds. So it needs to be done fairly soon to, to, to get the best control. Regarding herbicides in winter barley, your main mixes that you'd be looking at would be based on actives such as flufenicet, which is which is in Firebird, or else you're looking at pendimetalin-based products such as flight or tower or stomp aqua. But then if you're moving into wheat, the panic isn't so much in, in um, getting sprays out where you have a few more options. If you want to leave it until the spring, you have products such as Broadway Star or Alistair or Pacifica just to, to wipe out any weeds there in, in early spring. Finally, Tim, what's your advice in relation to soil testing? This is the best time of year for testing your soils. 
um, you need to leave a, a period of time there between your last fertilizer application, usually about eight weeks. So this would fit in well. Also, you want to put a plan in place for planning your nutrients uh, for, for the year ahead and, and get your lime out in, in plenty of time so that it doesn't delay your, your sowing uh, in the spring. If you're on high indexes, it'll allow you to save some money on, on, on fertilizer for the year ahead. Dairy Gold are, are running a, a subsidized service where a, a, tr- a trained sampler will come out and take a sample from, from, from your farm, uh, which is costing roughly about €3 Euro extra per sample. So we can provide all all the nutrients there from a basic lime P and K sample up to a full trace element report on, on your soils. And where can they get this done, Tim? Who do they have to contact? You can contact your local ASM or your local branch and they will put you in contact with the with a sampler to come out and, and, and take your, your samples. Tim McCarthy, Derry Gold's East Cork Tillage Area Sales Manager. Animal Health Awareness Week takes place from November 23rd to 28th. Anya Collins of the Department of Agriculture joins us to discuss why it's so important to create an awareness this year. The theme of this year's event is the front line at the farm gate. And I guess this year, in the context of the coronavirus pandemic, we're all acutely aware of the threat of the emergence of novel diseases, both in animals and in humans. And one of the main reasons we're hosting the Animal Health Awareness Week this year is because we're concerned about the effects of exotic diseases like and mouth disease virus, African swine fever virus, and blue tongue virus. And if they were to emerge here, they could have devastating effects on our farms and in our livestock. So I guess the aim of this week is to raise awareness among vets and vet, uh, farmers up and down the country about the importance of having awareness of these exotic diseases um, and to be able to identify them if and when they do emerge in Ireland. As we are all aware, I suppose, the agri-food industry is of great importance to our national and local economy and society. And livestock farming is key to this. So exotic diseases and other animal health and welfare issues in our agri-food industry are very important. And exotic diseases can have devastating effects on livestock farming. So I guess the aim of this week is to raise awareness among veterans farmers about how we are all fighting pandemics on our farms on a daily basis. It is important to be vigilant for symptoms that are unusual in your in your herds and in your flocks and to identify them and to engage with your local vet, engage with your local Department of Agriculture Regional Veterinary Office and uh, report any symptoms that you might think are unusual. Um, and uh, we're also hosting a series of events um, during the week which will uh, be specific to the various industries and the agriculture side in Ireland. So... There'll be webinars on on the on cattle, sheep, and pigs, and um, and this will be launched on Monday, the twenty third, by the minister. We're encouraging your listeners to check out the webinars and and to sign up for them. And this is all available on the gov.ie. Um, uh, if you Google gov.ie and check out the Animal Health Awareness Week, um, you'll be able to link up with the webinars there. And we're also um, our colleagues in the Department of Agriculture will be um, featuring on the Chagas podcast. So we will be speaking uh, to to the Chagas organisers of those podcasts on dairy, beef and pig and sheep issues relating to the agricultural industry. So we're encouraging your listeners to check those out also. Anya Collins of the Department of Agriculture. Animal Health Awareness Week takes place November 23rd to 28th.
The new deadline for TAMS scheme applications has been extended to mid-January 2021. Minister Charlie McConnell announced on the 11th of November 2020 that applicants for the targeted agricultural scheme TAMS will have until mid-January 2021 to submit their applications. Prior to this extension of the TAMS closing date to mid-January next year, the deadline had been 31st of December 2020. Minister McConnell said he will clearly communicate details of the TAMS tranche 20 revised application date and other details to the relevant stakeholders in coming weeks. Applications for the TAMS scheme tranche 20 opened on Saturday 14th of November 2020. The Minister pointed out his decision to extend the closing date had been motivated by the earlier deadline coinciding with the busy Christmas period. He asked farmers and their advisers to please use the extra time wisely and not leave applications until the last minute. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Farm Talk on C103. Ballymaloo Foods have partnered with Freshly Chopped for the first time. The duo have joined forces to offer a limited edition mozzarella chapito featuring Ballymaloo Foods' original relish as a dressing. It's available in 34 stores nationwide and the offer runs for a month. Ballymaloo Foods celebrating 30 years in business this year. The company now has 33 staff and 18 products and exports to the UK, Germany, Netherlands, Australia and USA. Safe Food Start has released research showing 86% of parents value their family time more since the pandemic began. The research found approximately half of parents reported finding it difficult to manage screen usage, treat consumption and physical activity during the pandemic. Safe Foods encouraging parents to incorporate small changes into their day to help their children make healthier habits. Cork-based Jump Juice Bars has launched its new product line this week. Jump Juice Direct is an online delivery offering which will allow the brand continue to connect to fans and health-conscious consumers. Jump Juice has been a huge success story. Managing Director Charlie Scanlon has been telling me all about it. Yeah, look, we started back in 2003. It's been, a, I suppose, a positive story and a good growth story. We've grown with, I suppose, the, the general trend of, of healthy eating over time. So very happy with how it's, uh, how it's progressed over those 17 years. And how did the idea come about first day, Charlie? Yeah, I suppose look, my wife, uh, Claire, and I, look, we're huge advocates of uh, healthy eating, and we always have been. So the, look, the concept of developing a juice bar has initiated, though, when we came to find it increasingly difficult to find healthy, ready-to-go foods uh, and drink choices when we were out and about. Uh, at the time, we would have been uh, living in Dublin, and prior to that, both of us would have been in college in Cork. And things were starting to, I suppose, change in those cities, but the options were still quite limited, and in some cases, expensive, and look, in many instances, they were maybe a little bit uh, unappetizing uh, and look, we knew we wanted to take our passion for nutritious tasty food and solve this problem um, and I suppose we decided the juice was the way to do it um, and I suppose the, the, the background to that is because for us we saw juice as juice and smoothies as a, a product that tastes good tastes good tastes great even they had a sufficient uh, nutrients in them uh, to, to deliver a healthy option to people um, and it gave us scope then to put together a versatile menu, look at options that we thought would suit everyone. And has it always been a cork-based product? The company originally, we, we would have started our first unit, would have been out of uh, Waterford in the city square in Waterford. Um, but very soon after that, we opened our first store in Cork um, in the Savoy Centre on Patrick Street. Um, and after that, then we would have expanded around the Cork region and set up a head office uh, in Cork. 
So look, we've been based in Cork now for, for 16 years. And taking that further, how important is it for you to be able to source your product then in Cork? It's very important. Look, the, the sourcing locally, look at uh, supporting local Cork producers or Irish producers. We, we do that wherever we can. And look, obviously, with the, the business that we're in, we do have to link with other Irish suppliers, suppliers to source more exotic ingredients. Um, but sourcing locally is very important. And at present, look, our head office is based in Formai, um And one of the key ingredients in our in our smoothies uh, is frozen yogurt. Um, and that would be support. we source that. Over the wall from our head office there in, in Silver Pale Dairies, we do a range of coffee in some of our stores. Um, and again, uh, we source that very locally uh, from Badger and Dodo there out of Formoy as well. So it, it's critical on a number of levels that you source locally. For us, it means we, we know the people that we're dealing with. We know them quite closely. They, they know the standards that we want and we know the standards that they uphold as well. Uh, we can meet them regularly. It works very well. And in terms of employment then, Charlie, how many have you working for you? At present, we have about 150 people working for us um, across the network of stores all over the country, across full and part-time jobs and head office as well. There's about seven or eight people based out of the head office. really is a great success story. COVID, what kind of a difficult challenge has that presented for you? It's been, it has been a challenge because uh, I suppose it's something you could never plan for. Uh, it's, and it's, it happened uh, in the end, quite quickly, we obviously were aware that it was there uh, in the backgrounds, but didn't expect the impact that would have so quickly. So for us, uh, all our stores were closed uh, on the 16th of March, pretty much overnight, um, and remained closed for a number of months. So that was a severe shock to the system where we couldn't serve customers. Um, and look, we had to let uh, 150 colleagues uh, temporarily go. Um, so that was a that was a bit of a, a shock to the system. Um, and probably one of the things then that drove us to look at other ways that we can reach our customers um, and uh, that led into the, the introduction of the, the new range that we just launched uh, this week, the cold press juices and smoothies that we could deliver direct to customers' homes. And I'm sure there's lots of plans in the pipeline for the future as well. Look, there is, uh, both in terms of our traditional retail, retail settings. Uh, at the start of this year, we would have had plans on opening more traditional units. Look, hopefully we'll get back to a situation where that will happen again. Uh, with this range, it just this new range of cold-pressed juice and smoothies, it gives us another outlet to, to, to get to people. Um, and look, we're excited about how far it can go. Charlie Scanlon, Managing Director, Cork Bay's Jum Juice Bars, and we wish them every success. Tagasks is launching a new signpost programme, which will be a multi-annual campaign to promote climate action by all farmers. The Tagask Authority has appointed Dr Tom O'Dwyer as head of the signpost programme. He's currently head of the Tagask Dairy Knowledge Transfer Department. The signpost programme will encourage and demonstrate to farmers how to achieve early progress in reducing gaseous emissions from Irish agriculture, while also improving water quality, maintaining and improving biodiversity and creating more profitable and sustainable farming enterprises. The results of further avian bird flu lab tests on a dead peregrine falcon, bird of prey, are expected to be available by the 16th of November approximately. The peregrine falcon, confirmed to have avian influenza subtype H5N8, was submitted to the Limerick Regional Veterinary Laboratory as part of the Department of Agriculture's Wild Bird Surveillance Programme. Further tests are being carried out to determine whether the virus detected in the Perkin Falcon sample is the same highly pathogenic strain that's currently present in the United Kingdom, the Netherlands and Germany. 
The Health Protection Surveillance Centre has confirmed that although the H5N8 subtype can cause serious disease in poultry and other birds, no human infections have been reported from anywhere in the world and it is therefore understood the risk to human health may be considered as very low. Dead birds should not be handled but should instead be reported immediately to the Department of Agriculture for laboratory examination. The Department of Agriculture remains in close contact with industry stakeholders and repeats that strict biosecurity measures are necessary to prevent the introduction of an avian influenza into poultry and captive bird flocks. Flock owners should remain vigilant for any signs of disease in their flocks and report any disease suspicions to their nearest department veterinary office. A list of department offices available at the following www agriculture.gov.ie forward slash contact forward slash or www.agriculture.gov.ie all lowercase or phone number 01607-2802 Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Now thanks to John for co-producing and contributing to the Farm Talk programme again this week. I'm Barry O'Mahony. Thank you for listening. Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Heifer Rearer Cube, a trusted partner to help your replacement heifers reach their target weights and meet their full potential. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.